All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Beebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 6, Episode 14 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, we've got Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Beebs Bondi. A happy uh, Thursday to you two gentlemen. D, you are looking... As rough as ever, just waking up from the old midnight shift or what? Just calls him out. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. I was, you know, I was actually starting to feel good um, about it, so I appreciate you kind of level level me out there and bring me back down to earth. I think we're gonna have to post this one. This will be our first one we ever posted YouTube. <laughs> just the show is salad right now. Yeah, episode um, episode fourteen, if, disheveled. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever seen um, the big comfy couch with Luna and Molly, a clown and her dolly, but. Um, Major Bet had definitely the inspiration behind this this do right now. <laughs> That's not what usually drives my hair choices, but <laughs> no, you more of a lunette guy. Yeah, you caught me. Blues, blues. <laughs> All right, so uh, on, on today's on today's show, yeah, Beebs is more of a lunette guy. Yeah, um, doing good though, Brock. <laughs> good to hear. Um, you're not looking quite as disheveled. Thanks, looking a little bit more put together. <laughs> I got a haircut and uh, grew a mustache, so it's just uh, you know Think, things are changing. Eh? Yeah, oh, that's uh, know. <laughs> but uh, all right, on today's show, uh, a, a lot of kind of similar stuff that we've been talking about in recent weeks, but uh, just some some different guys to go through. And we're getting to the point with some of these guys where it's you know they're basically 
you know, I'm sure many of you are either already dropping them or considering about uh, considering dropping them. Um, so we're going to go through a list of just some some of these players that have been underachieving, um, you know, recently and kind of underachieving in, in, in you know, relative to their like draft stock. Yeah. Um, and basically, I guess. yeah. So what we're going to do is, is if you don't own one of these players, uh, basically we're going to just determine whether or not, uh, you know, we still think that they've got something to offer and, and that they're good by low candidates right now. Um, and then if you do own them, whether or not, you know, it's time to kind of cut bait with these guys. Uh, I know one of our Twitter followers uh, reached out and wanted us to do a cut bait segment. So I, I think it's obviously a little bit more fun when we talk about some guys who are around, you know, 90% owned. Um, you know, normally we're not going to advocate dropping those guys, but we'll go through the list. Basically guys that are worth buying low on. Maybe some of these guys, you know, are, are just completely worth cutting bait uh, with completely. So uh, without further ado, Let's start at the very top here with 89% owned Mika Zabanajad. Uh, Got to talk about him. Mika, just two goals, five assists, uh, 57 shots on goal through 20 games this season. You know, the interesting thing about Mika, especially when you just kind of look at his numbers on the surface, I mean, he's only shooting 3.5%, uh, but the shot volume remains, you know, really good. But just, it's very bizarre to see just how far that line has fallen from Greece in in, in comparison to last year i mean they were just one of the better lines in hockey last year and then now all of a sudden this year even just their underlying numbers really not all that good they're only averaging like 20 scoring chances four per 60 this guy uh, was going top 10 in drafts just because people are saying like oh you know across 82 this could be an easy lock for 100 just after what they did last year yeah this is not yeah seven seven points through 20 games not quite uh what you'd expect but still playing over 20 minutes a night which is what you love to see but uh I i guess to me I, I am a little bit concerned about Zabanajad just because the la- like it, it his like the underlying numbers aren't very good. They're not putting up anywhere close to the you know the type of quality chances that they were a season ago. Uh, so I am a little bit worried about him. You know, eventually finding you know that pace, but the fact that he's shooting still just three point five percent. Like obviously, you don't need to even increase the scoring chances that much. You just need a little bit of puck luck to go your way. Uh, but for me, just from what I've seen in terms of the underlying numbers, I don't know if he's really a guy that I'm targeting to buy low on right now. I don't really expect him to get uh, super back on track, but he's definitely if a guy if I own him, he's not a guy that I'm dropping either. Uh, Beebs, we'll start with you here. What are you thinking about Mika? Yeah, um, a couple weeks ago I said, you know, make, make a grab for this guy. He's got to get hot just the way the underlying numbers work, and he's still kind of burning us. So I, I don't want to jump back on that train, although, Brock, I am in the same spot you are. You know, if you have him, you kind of got to ride with it now and just hope he catches fire for this last little bit. Who knows? Could be absolutely massive for your fantasy playoffs. Or, um, you know, it can't get much worse than what's going on right now. One thing we do love about New York, uh, Coach out there is not afraid, as you mentioned, to just absolutely roll uh, his first two lines 20-plus minutes a night. And uh, it seems that Mika Benedad just stuck in that um, that flawless minute um, usage there. So, um, you know, two goals, five assists. off, And you mentioned it, just absolute terrible shooting percentage. Um, it's it's a mess in New York right now, but it's it, it, it's going to get better. Um, but at the same time, I'm not willing to trade a top-end guy on my team for someone like this. Um for example, I offered D. Taylor Hall for Mika Zimanejad in a in a league earlier this week, so that's kind of where I, I I see him at. But that's a whole nother bag of, of stuff that we'll address later. Um, so, so yeah, so I'm saying I'm saying hold on to him. Don't make any drastic moves for him. Like if if you don't trade for a point per game player, um, but you know if you can get your hands on him um, for another strict center who might be overperforming right now, definitely definitely make that move. 
things are going to get better. He's definitely going to put up more than uh, a point every third game. D, so you declined this trade, Taylor Hall, for Mika Zibanejad, correct? Or do you have Zibanejad or just Beeps? I do, yeah. I declined it. Okay. So Keep what do you so, well. so so as as a Banajad owner, obviously you're not dropping him, but what what do you what are you hoping for out of him here in the la, in the la, like last half of this season? Yeah, obviously um like you said Brock, a, a lot of things just, you know, kind of have uh, have gone as bad as they possibly could in, in New York this year and it's especially in, you know, in terms of how it relates to Banajad's production. Um as a whole, their power play has fallen off a cliff, right? They were one of the better power plays in the league last year, at, uh, seventh overall last season. Now they're in the bottom four this year at just 14.5%. Um, and that's definitely taken its toll on Zibanejad's production. Um, you know, he had over 25 or, yeah, 27 power play points last year, just three so far this year in 20 games. Um, he hasn't scored at even strength yet, which is absurd. Um, he's got 40 even strength goals over the last two seasons. So that's the one thing that I would really expect to turn um, sooner than later. Obviously, the lack of um, extended ice time this season with Panarin really seems to not be helping the situation at all either. Um, but, you know, he's still shooting the puck a ton. Um, he's shooting 3.5% on the season. He's a, a career 12.5% shooter. So, you have to expect them to start finding the net more on ice shooting percentage is at six and point nine percent. So again, um, it should be trending up. It's just it's hard to imagine him getting back to the heights of last season. Um, and right now, even a point per game seems a little bit of a stretch, but he can certainly still be a serviceable fantasy asset. And I still think he can score a lot of goals. Um, so yeah, it's just a matter of waiting around on it, and hopefully he eventually gets to get some more um, ice time with Panarin. But obviously, we have no idea how that's going to turn out at this point. Yeah, and then even if he doesn't see the ice time with Panarin, it, it, you kind of want him to be in the lineup. So at least maybe that'll take away some of the uh, tougher matchups for Zabanajad and, and allow that line to get going. But at this point, um, you know they're still relied upon to do a lot of the heavy lifting in New York and it just really uh hasn't been going their way like you know I, I do that, that shooting though that just has to change like this is a guy who had 41 goals in 57 games last year 30 the year before 27 the year before that you know it's just yeah but the yeah. one thing though is, is like a season ago he was shooting 3.7 oh, crazy yeah 3.7 times per game now he's down to 2.8 so even the shot volume is lagging because they really just haven't had the puck in the offensive zone as much and um so like yeah you, you know while you'd expect that uh that shooting percentage to come back up uh you know he's really at this current he's on pace for like five goals right now oh yeah and, and at this current shuffle, you know, you're really expecting him to shoot what maybe a hundred more times this season. And, you know, as a, as a 12.5 career shooting percentage, that's only 12 goals for the remainder of the year. If he continues at this shot volume um, and his, and his shooting percentage does come back up. I mean, we're, we're really only talking about another 12 goals with the way he's going, what he, you know, he obviously last year he shot at an incredible rate, but um the shot volume drop is really what's concerning. And obviously that has a lot to do with the fact that they just haven't been quite as dominant uh, all season long, but uh, it, it, I guess it's good to, as a good guy to start with considering Beeps, uh, you wanted him, and D <laughs> you didn't want to give him up. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, but let's just, well, we might as well jump into Taylor Hall uh, who is a part of that trade offer. Cause he is somebody that we've been talking about quite a bit. Um, Someone who's slowly starting late. to drop 
very uh, alarmingly quickly off of people's rosters. Yeah. So, and, and this is kind of why I wanted to talk about it. I noticed um, one of the other big uh, fantasy hockey podcasts this week was really kind of advocating dropping Taylor Hall this week. Um, and to me, I, I think that is, is a huge overreaction in, you know, obviously yeah. things aren't going well in Buffalo, but he's still has 11 assists in 20 games and yeah, he's shooting just one. He's just shoot. He's shooting 1.9%. You know, he has the lowest um, goals below expected in the entire NHL at 5v5. So, like, you know, realistically, if he's sitting here and he gets those couple bounces, he's got three posts. If he's got the six goals that they expect right now, and he's got six goals and 11 assists in 20 games, I mean, that's exactly what you'd kind of expect. So I'm not really, like, obviously, you know, a minus 14 is not ideal, but I'm not going <laughs> to get into that. The fact that he, he could realistically have 17 points in 20 games right now, uh, and we're talking about dropping him it just seems crazy to me. Like if the shot volume wasn't there and he was shooting, you know, 6%, I'd be a little bit more worried, but at 1.9%, I mean, there's nothing really to even be worried about here. In my opinion, like 4.9 on a shooting percentage, like, yeah, it's not, it's not what you wanted when you drafted him, but there's no chance in hell I'm dropping this guy right now. Yeah. No, especially but- for the. Yeah, sorry, go ahead there, D. Yeah, no, sorry, I was just going to say, I, I think if you're bringing up Zibanejad's shot rate dropping by, you know, a little bit less than a shot per game this season, you have to look at Halls, too, because this is a guy that um, is routinely pushing four shots a game in his career, and he's down to two and a half this season in Buffalo. Uh, and that's, yeah, like you say, there, there may not be a reason to worry, but that was the reason I, I wasn't interested in taking on Hall, especially um, just with him being two years older than Zibanejad. Obviously, um, neither of them are in a great spot. I I, I agree. It's easier to imagine um, Hall bouncing back this season. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that's always needed to shoot a ton. If you wanted to, you know, have a, a good season in terms of um, scoring goals, he's only top 30 goals once in his career. Um, and he's a career 10.2% shooter. So he's really like a guy, like you said, that, that needs to shoot the puck a ton. Um, and I don't think he's going to score a lot of goals shooting the puck two and a half times a game. Uh, but I would agree that he's still going to be, you know, uh, one of the better playmakers in the league in, in terms of racking up assists. Um, and I think, like I said, I expect him his point production to at least probably uh, to be better than Zibanejad's this year. But I think it's obviously going to be a lot more tilted towards assists, whereas Zibanejad should be the other way around. Yeah. For for example, I, I also fielded an offer in that league uh, for Joel Fair before Taylor Hall. And that's an example of just someone I'm not willing to quite move him for yet. I'm not willing right. to stoop that low. Um, and like Brock said, you know, if he's at six goals, 11 assists right now, we're not even talking about this. It's just, you know, good good idea to sign out in Buffalo. Um, that, that shooting percentage is absolutely absurd and bonkers and i i i think taylor or sorry taylor 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 hall could take <laughs> 54 backhanded offhand shots and score more than one goal in a year um that just shows how bad those bounces are going um th- things are getting it better and i think right now we're just we're just seeing the buffalo uh everyone's just kind of shitting on buffalo it's the thing to do and, and taylor hall's just kind of getting caught in that obviously he's part of it but um, but yeah, I'm I'm hanging strong with this guy. I am definitely uh, I I would be making trade offers if you have a guy like Joel Faraby who you can throw at someone for Taylor Hall, um, someone who you maybe picked up in the last couple of weeks who's really trending a lot higher than any Buffalo player right now. So yeah, so I'm um I, I'd be going for Hall. Um, things things are gonna get brighter. I mean, I hate saying it for everyone, but I'm not gonna say it for a couple of the other guys. So might as well. Well, yeah, and, and, and you know, it, it, we wouldn't even be talking about it though if you know they were playing well, right? Like we're not talking about guys who, who are playing well right now. So these no. are guys that we'd expect where 
There's guys on this list who are on teams that are playing well, but most people aren't hearing about them, like you said, because you know, like they're 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 putting up half a point per game, but we don't talk about them. They're winning um, for sure. Yeah. Um, somebody that we talked about in the preseason, and he made our bust list um, when we were talking about defensemen at the start of the year was Miro Heiskanen uh, at 84 percent owned right now. He is still searching for uh, his first goal of the season, and you know, I, I think much of the reason why we weren't a huge fan. Uh, of him coming into the season was because uh, obviously he produced at a, at a really, really nice clip uh, during the postseason. Uh, but realistically, the, the offensive numbers have never been all that outstanding uh, for Miro throughout his career. And then he was going, you know, in, in near the top 10 defensemen in some drafts uh, and just going way too high. Like definitely a player that I love. I think he's, you know, supremely talented. He does have nine assists in 17 games, uh, but doesn't see the top power play unit uh, at all. So, uh, you know, it, it, to me, I don't know if I'm quite ready to drop him. I guess it depends on how deep your league is and and what is available on the waiver wire. But if I own him, I'm trying to at least try to move him and use that name value to potentially lure uh, a, a more prominent fantasy defenseman rather than such a good real life defenseman, I guess, because he just, he, you know, the, the, the point totals have never been really there uh, to begin with. And the fact that he doesn't see top power play usage really limits his upside on a team that doesn't score a lot of goals to begin with. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I think you nailed it. If you can move this guy for a top fantasy option, that, that, that's the move. Um, if people haven't caught on yet, 24 shots in 17 games, let me just repeat that 24 shots in 17 games. There's fourth liners who put up uh, more shots than that. Not to, I mean, he's a D man, whatever. Still 24 shots is that that's extremely low production. You're not going to score a lot of goals with that. Um, the reason, you know, the reason we have him here is just because he is being treated. Well, he was being treated like a one, a 1A defenseman this year. And uh, if you can trade him for a one C even or like or sorry for like a third d man on your team even i'm i'm willing to make that trade i want nothing to do with miro heiskanen personally um it's assist city as well from over there so um, there's just a lot of options out there on the wires that i would trust to actually get some goals and maybe even matches assists right about now it just d seems really really uh i, I don't know nine assists in 17 games there's guys that are 10 percent owned that have better stats than that <laughs> sorry i just crapped all over him yeah no i I totally agree. I had him in my bust list at the at the start of the year. Um, you said it, Beebs. He was being drafted like a number one fantasy defenseman, and he wasn't even the number one defenseman on his team, right? That was the yeah. biggest issue for me, is that Klingberg's still there. He's uh, always been a power play specialist his whole career, where, um, like you said, Brock, we've never really seen um, that from Miro, not like to that extent anyway, not in, to where you would kind of like consider him a power play specialist, and obviously hasn't had the success running a power play that Klingberg's had in the past. So, not a surprise at all to see Klingberg hold on to that spot to start the year. And then obviously with the, you know, their respective starts, Heisken with four points in 17 games, Klingberg with 14. It's hard to imagine that switch happening anytime soon. Um, so yeah, obviously you want to try to get value for him, but at the same time, I think if you have the proper coverage at D um, and you can't get anything for him, I, I don't think he's worth shoehorning into your lineup for much longer in redraft leagues, just because it's harder um, to imagine this getting much better. I, I think, you know, we've seen, um, we've seen it like just over the years at Carlson and Burns, probably the best example. It's really hard, um, for one team to produce two top caliber fantasy defensemen. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I just really think, you know, I, it's hard to imagine him becoming that top 12 fantasy demon while Klingberg is sore. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like what a microcosm of what we saw in San Jose, just with Burns taking Carlson completely out of the fantasy picture. But you know, we'll address that too later. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. I don't want him get Miro out of here. Eighty-four percent is ridiculous. I'm sorry, guys. We got to change that. Yeah, like, and I guess though, like the the one thing that can be said about him in terms of like if you didn't is he draft him, hits in like a banger league that I don't know about or something. If you did, if you didn't draft him super high and you ended up getting him later, like I guess you can, you know, you're probably a, at least a little bit more patient with it. But you're like you said, like there's just really no doesn't look like there's a huge avenue for success here, um, given his current like power play status. And uh, speaking of a guy who's not on power play one, but also um, you know a defenseman who. Once had his heyday, but it, it doesn't seem to be uh, anymore. Mark Giordano, 79% owned. Still not a terrible season thus far. No. Uh, but the fact that he's not seeing that power play one usage at all. I mean, we've seen uh, Yuso Valamaki be used in that spot over him at times this year. Uh, Rasmus Anderson, who's somebody that we like on the show, at least I do, um, is, is playing on PP1 over him now. What are you doing with Mark Giordano? You, you, like, at this point, are you trying to, uh, are you trying to move him? And just kind of use some of that name value for somebody who at least might not have quite the same name, but at least still sees that power play one usage um, because the flames really don't seem to have much going for them anyway, <laughs> right now. Uh, so Mark Giordano doesn't seem to be anybody that's really going to have a huge second half. In my opinion, D what are you doing? If you own Mark Giordano right now? Yeah. I, I got to think I'm, I'm probably dropping Mark Giordano. Um, it's it's a little bit scary to write him off early because, you know, he had those back-to-back seasons a few years ago where he was, you know, really looking pedestrian, um, looked like he had kind of maybe reached his peak, uh, you know, 39, 38-point seasons, and then he came back at 35 years old with that 74-point uh, season, right? So he's he's always a guy that you're a little weary of writing off early, um, even now at 37 years old. But again, it's another prolonged stretch of him just kind of floundering around half a point per game. Um, the minutes are down. I still like the shot volume, but um, I agree with him getting that top power play time. He's really not worth rostering. Um, and honestly, again, it's you don't want like I said, <laughs> I, I don't want to write him off too early. But it's really hard to imagine that you know at this point, thirty-seven years old, and what you know this version of the Calgary Flames, um, it's hard to imagine dropping him at right now and regretting it at some point later in the year, right? Like it's just. It's uh, yeah, it's hard to imagine. So I I gotta imagine that, um, you know, I don't think you'd pull a whole lot for a 37 year old Mark Giordano on the trade market. Obviously, you gotta do your due diligence and try. Um, but another guy that if I have the if I have the cover at D or if I have the depth, I, I wouldn't hesitate to to cut loose. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, I mean, I might I might even be I might be a little bit even. I know that you said you're you're close to cutting them. I might just say snip them now. Uh, I think there's other guys out there. Who could uh, who could fill that? One thing that does kind of bode well, and I will give Mark Giordano his props, is he does have 50 shots in 23 games. Um, I mean, if I'm going to talk about Mira Heiskin and shitty 24 shots in 17 games, I definitely got to bring up those 50 shots um, that Giordano does have, and that's without a lot of, of uh, power play time. So, you know, if he does get put on there, potential. But I don't love uh, you know waiting around for a guy who's above 35, I believe now. Um, so he's just going to get on. The- yeah, I, I don't love waiting to see if he's getting on that power play. I think that ship has sailed. Um, yeah, so if you get any value from Mark Giordano, get it. But um, but yeah, like Jacob Chitrin's 79% owned. He's another guy who's right there. Um, that's someone who I'd rather have 10, 10 times as much on my team right now. Um, so yeah, Mark Giordano might be time to let go of 
um, you know, one time Norris winner. Yeah. I, like you said, D, I don't think it's something that you're going to regret. Like, even if he comes yeah. back, I, I don't think like he's going to really ever, you know, break out, you know, in a second half where it's going to be like, Oh damn it. I wish I didn't drop him. <laughs> um, right. All right. Let's talk about a couple of burned by Mark Giordano. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's talk about a couple of struggling centermen. Um, you know, we'll start with Evgeny Kuznetsov, 78% on really not having uh, a very good season to this point. He's been obviously kind of in and out of the lineup with, with COVID concerns and then injury. Um, and then also Pierre-Luc Dubois, right around the same home percentage, 80%. Um, you know, hasn't had a terrible start to his Jets career. It's been a little bit more like uh, kind of kind of like Kuznetsov, just not really in the lineup all that often. Now that he's back, obviously, um, he's, he's on a line with Ehlers and um, Connor, which looks like, a, like kind of the spot that we projected him to be. looks like a spot where he can thrive. Uh, but the Jets just aren't that great of a 5v5 team. Do you see a, an avenue where Dubois can still return that draft day value because he's starting so far behind now with what he's done through the first couple months of the season with the trade and all that shit that was going on in Columbus. What, what do you do with Dubois? Is it, is it still time to pounce it for a buy low situation here? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, why, well, if you, if you saw the first two games, right, he played the left wing with Wheeler and, and Shifley on the top line and he had five points in those first two games or not his first two games, I should say, but the first two games after the injury he had. Um, so yeah, I, I, I still think, um, is really exciting move for him. I, I think, you know, it only adds to his upside, even playing on that second line now, um, obviously still a, a really good spot for him and, you know, arguably better than what he had playing with in Columbus. Um, and, you know, in terms of his draft day value, like I, if you drafted Dubois high, you're really paying for uh, a breakout, right? Like this guy hasn't um, quite pushed um, a point per game yet in his career. His career high is 61 points. Um, he had 49 points in 70 games a season ago. So it, obviously it's a guy that a lot of people are touting for a breakout. Um, and I still think that the odds of that happening are better in Winnipeg um, than in Columbus. Uh, and yeah, it's just a matter of kind of the, you know, the Jets, when you got shut out the one game of Vancouver, it was a bit of a surprise and a bummer not to see Dubois get on the score sheet the other night when I think that should be in Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, to me, it's just a couple of anomalies. And he did have those two big games um, playing with Shifley and Wheeler on the top line. So that would be the avenue to really, I, I think, explode this season is if he's kind of taken off the responsibility of driving the line and they leave Stasny in the second line role. Um, but obviously, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense on paper. Like if you made that trade for Dubois it's to have him as your second line center. Um, but certainly it's not something that they, they're going to shy away from trying if they need to. Um, so yeah, I, I, like I said, I still think he's in a much better place, um, to break out than, than in Columbus and certainly a guy, um, that if I didn't own, which I do, I I'd be targeting and, uh, not a guy that I'm looking to move at all. Yeah. The reason I kind of wanted to include him in this list too today was cause he kind of worked out as one of those guys that could work. You can almost trick his owners, um, into thinking he's having a much worse season than he is three goals to assists in his seven games since he's joined Winnipeg. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely trading for this guy right now. Um, his numbers look way worse when you look at him as a whole. Cause it's, you know, 12 games, only four goals to assist, not looking great. Um, so yeah, so personally, uh, he's just, he's just around his, his career average. And as you mentioned, we're kind of pushing for a breakout here. He's just around his career average as is in Winnipeg. And, uh, I don't even think we scratched the surface here with, uh, what he's going to do. And, uh, and, and realistically, I think he, he's starting to make a great pilot or, uh, a great 
buy low candidate. We're starting to see his percentages go down, starting to see annoying um, owners getting even more frustrated with him. But if you've waited this long, you've have him, you know, just, it, this is the definition of ride it out. You have to just kind of hang on and uh, really hope that he does stick there in Winnipeg. And, and, and I think it, it does bode well for him as a whole. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm making a trade for this guy, or if you do have him holding on to him, um, I do like PLD quite a bit here. Yeah, he's moved back to the center, and, and you got to like him playing with Kyle Connor and Nick Ehlers. You'd think that that would be a pretty dynamic line. Um, you know, Especially if that first line's taken on top center D-man. I mean, that, well, and that would, and that's kind of the thing, right? Like that Shifley line's always going to see the the harder matchups. Um, so that should bode well for, for literally all three of them. Obviously, one concern with Dubois would be the lack of power play, one exposure so far. Um, but, you know, he's still new to the team. It is something that could change. Uh, and I, you know, obviously us on this show, huge PLD fans. Um, let's talk about Travis Konechny really quick. We've seen uh, Joel Farabee obviously explode on that line with Couturier uh, and JVR. Um, Farabee's actually out tonight, added to the COVID-19 reserve list. But Konechny's been a guy who's kind of struggled. He had COVID himself, um, kind of been shuffled in and out of the lineup. He's a healthy scratch at one point. Uh, and he's just somebody that a lot of people were expecting big things out of this year after a really nice season uh, a year ago and has not quite uh, lived up to that billing so far through his first 13 games. Eight points, not terrible, uh, but he's done that while shooting 27.8% with a 10.9 on a shooting percentage. So he's really kind of maxed out, um, you know, what he could get out of those first 13 games. And with people like, you know, fair be JVR really asserting themselves in that Flyers lineup. Beebs, are you concerned at all as Connect Me owner right now? Absolutely. And uh, and I was super high on this guy coming in the year. Even two weeks in, I was saying this could be a steal of many drafts. I'm terrified right now. 18 shots in 13 games. You mentioned, you know, to score five goals off 18 shots, that's about as crazy as Taylor Hall scoring one goal off 54. Um, and on line two, not touching power play one, you mentioned it, Joel Farabee seems like the guy who's stepping in now. Maybe, the, you know, the that that perennial winger out there in Philly. Um, not to drop that name 8 million times in one podcast. But, yeah, Travis Konechny, I'm a little worried. I'd still be holding on to him. He still is touching PP2. He's on He's on an okay second line. Not bad. Um, but uh, but I wouldn't be jumping the gun to, to make any deals for this guy. He's definitely not at the level I expected coming in this year. Definitely a big letdown. Um, I need some shots though, man. 18 shots in 13 games is just, that's, uh, that's Miro Heiskanen like numbers. <laughs> D, what do you think about Konechny? Yeah. Um, obviously it's another guy that we've liked a lot in the past and certainly expecting um, him to take another step forward this year. Although obviously the 17% shooting percentage last year was a, a bit of a red flag, but he did that playing under 17 minutes at night. So I think we were kind of just naturally expecting his, uh, ice time role to continue to grow and uh, that hasn't happened I, I think um, there really just hasn't been a need to kind of force feed him those extra minutes and, and help him um, get his game kind of sorted out through this cold streak because you know the likes of Farabee and, and JVR um, have really stepped up this season um, so yeah it, it's a little bit tricky because he's really gonna have to earn ice time whereas before the year if he had you know he kind of struggled you maybe assumed he would have had some more rope um, and yeah, like I said, a guy that they maybe want to see kind of take on a larger role this season. Um, but with the depth, they've, they've kind of shown that they have this year on the wing, there's really no need for that to happen. So it is a bit of a concern. Um, not shooting the puck a lot as you guys have covered. Um, obviously we should mention it again though. Yeah, obviously it's, um, you know, we've seen in all of the major sports this year that, um, some, uh, some athletes can certainly take some time to kind of get back to looking like themselves after, um, about with COVID. So, 
Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of red flags here for sure. Um, I think if you can get him at a cut price, absolutely do it because I, I think even while he's struggling, he should still be able to produce. Um, his production should still warrant a roster spot, even right now. Right, five goals in 13 games is a, still a decent return. Um, if the assists were were there, it, it would look better than it is. Um, but yeah, so I, some certainly a, a guy that I think is worth going after if you can get a cut bait price for. Um, but I wouldn't expect him in that same point to kind of take that step forward that we were maybe looking um, we, were, we were maybe looking at this season. Yeah, it, like I guess like the one thing was like now we're seeing these this huge usage from Faraby, and, and you're not really going to expect him to steal minutes from somebody like a veteran like Voracek who's been there forever. He's really never going to dip down to that like 13 minute mark where we used, were used to seeing Faraby a season ago. Uh, so, you know, basically, as great as it's been to see Farabee kind of explode, um, JVR as well, it's really come at the cost of um, of Konechny. Uh, let's talk about Eric. sacrifice one, Lamb. One. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about Eric Carlson. Obviously, yeah, uh, once, once one of, you know, the most greatest fantasy defenseman of, of all time for, like, a, a five-year stretch. I think we can maybe give him the greatest fantasy because since fantasy's well, been created, he probably has got to be near one of yeah, the greatest Burns, fantasy. Burns, my, him and Burns were always going uh, kind of – Yeah. yeah. Both be a good debate for the offseason. <laughs> so he's gone from a point Damn. per game, 82 points in 2016, followed that up with 71 and 62 points in his final two years in Ottawa, uh, two 40 point campaigns while being injured in his first two seasons in San Jose. But thus far in 2021, five points, one goal, four assists in 16 games. Uh, he is shooting just 2.9%, uh, averaging just over two shots per game, which is very close to what we kind of, uh, we're used to seeing out of him. It, you know, in his first couple of years in San Jose, uh, the on-ice shooting percentage is very normal at 9.4%. So uh, I, I know me personally, I was expecting a little bit of a bounce back uh, from both Eric Carlson and Brent Burns. Brent Burns has had a pretty solid season so far, but Carlson, not at all. Um, no, like it, it seems crazy to even talk about, should you drop Eric Carlson, but you are getting nowhere close to the return um, you'd expect from a guy like this. Is it really time to just drop this guy? I have him in a keeper league. Um, I have him in a, re- a redraft league. I'm debating it in both. Like every morning, I wake up and I, I think it over. Um, right now, I would hang on to him. If you're in a four D man league, I would definitely hang on to him. Um, one goal, four assists, sixteen games. Uh, the PP two time is what I like. He did score his first goal of the season the other day on the PP. It was classic Eric Carlson blast. So for that, I have hopes as an owner, but oh my God, I, I don't know. If I'm telling people not don't high skin, I, I, I don't really know what to tell them about Carlson. Um, I don't want him without that PP one time. Um, I changed my mind. Drop Eric Carlson. That's what I'm saying. Because ah, San Jose just doesn't do it for me. If you're not touching that PP, PP one, that's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't want it. I think it's almost a case like Mark Giordano. It's like you, you might drop him. He might burn you a lot more um, in the long run, but it's not going to hurt you right now. It doesn't seem like he's not putting up points in 5v5. He's not, I don't know, not doing anything. I'll let you yeah, no, I, I, I kind of think you have to be a little bit more patience with Carlson. I just, it's just with what else is out there on the wire. Um, yeah, that's what I'd have to look at. At that in terms percentage. of the, the blue line, yeah. Like it's, you're really not going to find anyone with his upside, but. Even then, like the last two seasons, yeah, they were disappointing, but still 45 points in 53 games and then 40 and 56, right? So 
Um, certainly still, you know, a starting fantasy defenseman production. Um, and yeah, obviously nothing's gone to plan so far this year. Their power play units don't make any sense at all to me. Um, that second unit does look terrible. He's got Timo Meyer to play with. Um, but it, I don't think funny. it's, I don't think it's out of the question that, you know, we could see them, um, reunite Carlson and Burns on the top unit before too long. Sure. Um, so yeah, hopefully obviously for Carlson's production, um, or for the sake of it, that that happens. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would be a little bit more patient with Eric Carlson simply because, um, like I said, I think his floor, um, when he is getting that ice time and that opportunity is just um, that much higher than what you'll find on the wire. Yeah, I'm not going to add too much to that. I, I, that's kind of what I'm looking at is still playing around 25 minutes a night. It's it's not going to, it's, it's going to be next to impossible to find anything close to that kind of yeah. usage. Right now um, you're getting like Nick Waddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you're not, you're, you're not going to, um, like it's going to be hard to replace that kind of usage and potential upside while it's been tough obviously disappointing uh it is going to be difficult to replace that so for me you kind of just have to reluctantly hold on to him for now um you know san jose really hasn't been that bad you know recently obviously missing hurdles gonna hurt um but i think that they're they're good enough to and they're gonna score a decent chunk of goals where carlson can be still serviceable um we'll skip dylan larkin he's on this list but with him being hurt here it's gonna be kind of uh, yeah, like it, I mean, yeah. yeah, just don't own a wing right now. He's getting oh. traded in the offseason, Brock. I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah, I know that's why I didn't want to talk about him. I don't want to go down that road again. Um, <laughs> uh, but let's talk about Kyler Yamamoto because I think Yamamoto is a very interesting case right now. Uh, obviously, you know, we we talked about Yamamoto a lot last year. He was, you know, one of the trendiest pickups, you know. Um, once he got called up, had a really nice season, 26 points in 27 games. Uh, but we, we obviously were very concerned about shooting 25%, um, and a 13.5 on a shooting percentage, but that Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, uh, Yamamoto line was electric and they didn't put them together to start this season. They, they tried to make the Dominic Cahoon thing work. It didn't. Um, and just last game, they, they reunited Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl and Yamamoto. So, and they got a goal. Yeah, and you'd think that, you'd <laughs> you think that that, that, that might be uh, you know that might be reason for optimism here, but for me, I just don't think that Yamamoto is ever going to really return um, the type of value that no. that you might expect playing with Leon. I mean, if Nugent Hopkins stays on that line, you know, I would hold on to him maybe for a few more days to see if they stick with that line. But when Nugent Hopkins with McDavid, that Leon line has been terrible all season long. Uh, and they've really not done anything at 5v5. All of Leon's production comes on the power play for the most part. So, you know, if, if Nugent Hopkins stays, if they stick with that and it starts clicking again, then fine. You know, hold on to Yamamoto. But if, if all of a sudden, you know, in a couple games, Nugent Hopkins back with McDavid, that line's going to continue to struggle, and Yamamoto's never going to sniff that top power play unit. So for me, at that point, he's worth dropping. Yeah, I'm not necessarily jumping the gun at Yamamoto. Um, it's a guy who I believe after drafts we were talking about or at owned around uh, 85, 90% there. So he's, he's definitely dropping. Um, yeah, just just doesn't do it for me on PP2. And uh, and as mentioned, I, I got to see that line pop off first. Um, and yeah, yeah, I'm not adding anything more. Brock, you're pretty much our certified Edmonton guy. So uh, yeah, nailed it. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree. I, I think um, yeah, if the change hadn't happened um, before last game, we'd probably talk about dropping him right now. But now that it, oh, now that yeah. it has finally happened, I, you you know, you give it a couple games, see how it works, um, and have him on a really short leash. We mentioned how the second line in New York has actually come on a little bit since Panarin went out, which is a little bit surprising. 
Uh, Chris Kreider's actually sort of found his game here playing with Ryan Strom, uh, which is pretty bizarre considering, you know, he couldn't get it going with um, uh, Mika Zibanejad. But Kreider seems to be coming on a little bit here. Uh, at just 61% owned to me, I, I think he's a little bit of a, a sneaky ad right now um, because that line has been relatively hot and they are going to continue to see, uh, you know, the lesser of the opponent's you know, top lines and, and D pairs. So uh, at just 61%, if he's owned in one of your shallower leagues, I think, you know, you can kind of pick him up and, and ride the hot wave, but you have to be aware that he is shooting 25.6%. Um, and that's not something that's going to, you know, continue forever. But, you know, if, if Mika starts getting hot, if, pa- if Panarin comes back, that power play starts to figure things out, he's always going to be up there. So uh, I actually have a little bit of interest in Chris Kreider right now in terms of picking him up if he's available. And, you, you know, you're part of that is 40% of leagues. Uh, but other than that, really not a whole lot to, to say, you know, about Chris Carter, unless uh, D, you look interested. No, yeah, I think, um, like you say, he's not going to light the world on fire, but I, I think he's back at the point where we can kind of hope or expect him to be at the levels we're used to seeing from him, which, again, not set the world on fire, but um, probably worthy of a spot at the bottom of your roster, you know, somewhere on a 20 to 25 goal pace and probably around 25 assists as well. Um, the lack of assists, obviously the big, big issue right now, just two um, in 20 games, but as long as he's as long as he's giving you some decent goal returns, um, which again, don't expect him to score um, every other game, but um, certainly a 25 goal pace is doable for him. Yeah, um, if you need assists, this is not the guy to grab. But yeah, I, we always <laughs> we always talk about how much how hard goals are to find, and you can find the assists really easy off the wire, but you can't find the goals as easy. Um, and Kreider's your guy if he is there, but um, if you're one of these people who had him since the beginning of the year. I feel sorry, but uh, yeah, like you said, Brock, it, it does work nice that, you know, he is kind of killing it right now because we kind of just have to hope he continues to kill it until Panarin comes back and then, you know, he can slow down a bit, but Panarin can just help drive him from there. So, uh, so yeah, I'm not, not flying for Kreider by any means, but um, if he is there, he doesn't he makes a good ad. Um, okay. So another couple of, just a couple quick names that, um, should probably be considered, uh, you know, you should consider adding right now, uh, would be, Nazem Kadri, he's been pretty hot as of late. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got 15 points in 20 games. Um, you know, a surprising minus 12. That line really hasn't been as good uh, at 5v5 as you might imagine, adding Brandon Saad in the mix. But uh, Kadri's been hot. He's still on that top power play unit uh, with McKinnon, Ranson, and Landis Cog, and Kale McCarr when healthy. Uh, so it's a little bit surprising to see Naz uh, at 60% owned only. Obviously, uh, a strict center obviously plays in there. Uh, but one really uh, surprising guy here is Kevin Fiala. We talked about how he had a bit of a slow start, but it was it was bound to turn. And since we've talked about that, it really has turned for him. Um, the Wild seem to finally have landed on some um, concrete line combinations, which has Fiala playing on the top line with Joel Eriksnek finally getting that full run as a top center. And it's really, it, it's turned in some good results. Their underlying numbers uh, are outstanding. Uh, Fiala has cooled off a little bit lately, but he's still just shooting 9.8% on the season. Uh, obviously somebody that we really like on this show. And uh, the fact that he's at 58% on, I'd be jumping all over that if he's available in, in my league. Yeah. Um, I just, I love both these guys, but I quick want to step back to Kadri. One thing that really um, enticed me about him 
he is kind of stuck in that first power play center role, um, which which is the main thing that keeps his fantasy value for him for me. He's currently a 56% face-off guy. That's incredibly good. So um, I don't see him leaving that role, which is kind of just a little bit of stability if you are debating it. Kevin Fiala, I got stocks in that guy in just about every league. Um, we've kind of hung tight until now. Um, and like you said, things are starting to click. It's good to see you know Minnesota deciding that they're going to put their future on their first line. And, uh, and yeah, it, it's working. And then you got our famous Caprizov line, too, going there um, out in Minnesota. So, yeah, both these guys, if you can get your hands on them, I like them both. I'm not looking to drop them by any means if I own either. Um, and definitely, uh, if you can trade a bottom of your roster guy for either of them, snipe, do that. Yeah, I, nothing else to add. We, we love shots, and we love, you know, a lot of power play time. And these guys um, get both those things. So They both sure. muck it up. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't believe Kadri's at 62 shots through 20 games. And yeah, his yeah, shot volume back, back to his least numbers for sure. It's crazy. It's, it seems like, you know, when he's Free out there, it anyway. seems like there's other things going on around him. But, uh, and yeah, he's shooting yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, he's, he's always been able to to find the find the net um, in the, in a lesser role, playing a second-line role. So, nice to see it uh, carrying over again this season. Hell, yeah. So, D, I'm just going to go straight to you because I know you love to hate this man. <laughs> That's why I put him in. That's why I had to do it. Jack Hughes obviously had an electric start to the season. Um, oh, what happened? He fell off a bit? And we, <laughs> came on, we, came oh, on this, we came on this show and said, like, yeah, this is, you know, don't expect this to continue. I think he did actually score tonight since we've been on this show. Um, has, and, yeah. and, and if he did, though, that still just gives him one goal and one assist in his last Taylor Hall just scored. Taylor Hall oh. just scored. Sorry yeah. to cut you off. Taylor Hall just scored. <laughs> I, I never thought I would see the day where Taylor Hall scoring a goal would be breaking news. On I did Taylor not mean to cut you off, but that is huge. But, D, you are a resident um, Jack Hughes hater, so why don't you just pile on here? I would say um, he looks better this season, um, and the underlying numbers have actually improved since we last talked about him. Um, but I still don't love his value at all in redraft leagues this season. Um, to me, the underlying numbers are finally starting to improve, though, which is really nice to see. Um, he's taking advantage of the extra ice time. He's actually shooting the puck more, um, you know, kind of flirting with two and a half shots a game, which is um, not something I would have expected from him at this point. So um, got to tip my hat to him a little bit. But like I said, I still don't love his value in redraft leagues. I don't think he's worth owning this season. Um, but I would say if you have him in keeper leagues and uh, maybe took him first overall last year and you, and you were really starting to sweat it, um, you know, I think it's starting to turn a little bit. I think, you know, uh, a couple years down the line, we could be looking at a pretty productive player. But, but um, yeah, he's not there for me right now yet. But um, I got I to gotta give him credit where it's due. He's uh, he's making the strides in the areas that I was I was really hard on him for. Um, but like ya. I said, it's still he's still not quite there um, for me at the season playing on that team. Um, you know, with the center eligibility, but um, certainly if, if he continues to improve in those areas, um, I can finally imagine him being a, a productive fantasy hockey player. Yeah, I won't lie. I was kind of excited for Jack Hughes seeing Nico Heischer come back, just kind of seeing what they could maybe do on that power play if they did do it together. But then Nico Heischer just went and got the craziest injury I've ever heard ever today. Um, sinus it? fracture. Sinus fracture, yeah. So... <laughs> That's done. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't really want many stocks in Hughes more than just kind of picking him up uh, based on who he's playing against. I do love that he is. He's pretty much locked in line one, PP one. So 
that's not bad. But um, right now it seems like owning Devils is not the best best option. Um, Jack Hughes, great in a keeper league. Um, I wouldn't be necessarily dropping him in a redraft league yet. If I do have him, I would keep him at the back of my roster again. Um, PP one. I just, I hate dropping guys who touch power play one on any, any team. So I'd be keeping them for a little bit longer, but, uh, you know, let's just wait and see here. Yeah. The one thing that's, uh, that's interesting about Hughes is like you said that the underlying numbers are coming up and it seems like they are doing a really nice job, especially when they're on home ice and making sure that they get Jack Hughes out there in advantageous matchups. It's like mm-hmm. Zaka and Jack do all the heavy lifting. Um, and then Hughes just goes out there against the other team's fourth line and for and sure. Yeah. 66% offensive zone start percentage. So yeah, you're definitely right with that one, Brock. But um, if, if I were his coach, that would never change for me. Like um, until he really shows the ability to, to get out of his own end with regularity and break up the ice. Um, Cause he's clearly an asset in the offensive zone. So why not do it? And yeah, it might not be something that changes anytime soon. You know, it might be a few years before um, we see those own starts um, really start to split the other way, especially um, you know, down the line, a guy like Keisha certainly a lot more conducive playing in that role. Yeah, they. Uh, I guess it makes it a little bit easier too when Pavel Zaka is playing out of his fucking mind right now. <laughs> sure. Um, Jaden Schwartz is somebody that's been out uh, for a pretty pretty extended period of time, um, but I, I think it's you know getting to the point where you, you can pretty much drop him too, which is surprising for me to say because I've been one of the biggest Jaden Schwartz truthers ever, but. Um, the way things are kind of shaping up right now, it does kind of look like um, Jordan Cairo is really working himself into a, a pretty stable top six role. You've got Vladimir Tarasenko coming back uh, any minute now. You've got, you know, Zach Stanford, who somehow just always seems to be playing with Ryan O'Reilly. You've got David Perron. It seems like you, we could see Jaden Schwartz on a line with Mike Hoffman um, when he returns down to that third line, which obviously would be a pretty good third line for real hockey. But from a fantasy hockey perspective, it looks like Jaden Schwartz is going to really struggle to get uh, anything going once he comes back. So hovering around 44%, I think it might be time to, to cut the bait there. Yeah. I mean, especially if he's uh, like you said, he's not playing right now. And um, you know, again, like you said, I don't think that uh, there might not be that role waiting for him um, that justifies waiting around on that production. So uh, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, Brock. Um, certainly if you're, if you're if you're like Brock and you're a massive Jaden Schwartz trooper and your league has <laughs> ten injury spots and you just love the guy, um, then obviously there's no need to drop him right now. But um, <laughs> even if you know down the line a week or two when the time comes and um, you're faced with a tough roster decision to bring back, don't hesitate to drop him at that point. Yeah, um, I literally just left him in here just so that we could kind of shit on him in front of Brock. Um, hey, that's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't mind picking this guy up for uh, the spots start here and there, but you know, twenty three shots in fourteen mm-hmm. games. I'm going to mention again, we're talking high skin in numbers. You don't want that. I stuff think that's all right. We're just trying to drive down his ownership to where we can yep. start streaming him. Exactly, that's <laughs> kind of where we're going with. Like, like not saying I don't want him on my team some nights, but uh, yeah, yeah, people should drop him so that I can then stream him. Yeah, Ryan Suter, he's at forty uh, percent owned. Never really been um, like this perennial. Uh, fantasy guy like I, I don't know he's, he's so steady weird. he's steady he's yeah. like, so much likes, but like, always been yeah like he's so consistent he's like 45 points every single year regardless um the one real thing that's very surprising um and obviously it's a little bit easier to do when you've got uh, a talented blue line but he's playing under 23 minutes a night this year i mean this is a guy who left the nhl in ice time every year for 
it seems like a decade. Over tw- he averages over 25 minutes for his career. Yeah, That's it's insane. insane. <laughs> career. <laughs> That's including yeah. his probably like eight minutes of ice a game rookie season. That's 17 He played 17 minutes this rookie season. Yeah. <laughs> he's built different. Yeah, he is. A, he's a freak. But um, what are you guys thinking about him? Like, obviously not a guy that really ever puts up electric numbers. Uh, just 33 shots in 20 games. Those are Miro Heiskanen numbers. Uh, Nailed it. <laughs> but the way that the Wild kind of roll um, their power play units, he does still see some power play time. And I, I think it might be difficult to find, um, you know, too many quality defensemen that are going to – it's similar to Eric Carlson, right? Like, you know, obviously didn't have as much invested in Ryan Suter, but it's going to be hard to find that kind of usage on the wire. Yeah, it just depends how much depth you have in the position. Like, I don't think he's worth holding on to as, like, your fifth mm-hmm. defenseman. I think you're better off streaming the spot or bringing in a forward mm-hmm. on the bench. Um so yeah, if you're really hurting on the fencing, like if you got some injuries or you just totally, um, you know, miss the boat on draft day when it comes to the or when it comes to the blue line, then sure he can be a guy that can still you know help you and probably you know still be relied on for a couple assists each week. Um, but yeah, like I said, certainly not a guy that I would um, have on my bench just to fit him in once or twice a week into a D spot. Um, I think you can get a lot more value out of shooting that kind of roster spot. Yeah, even if he is the fourth D-man on my team, um, I'm almost dropping him just for another forward. Uh, that's just how much I see it out of him. Just some other guys who are owning that same percentage right now. Um, you know, I, I just like the goal production a lot more. That's what scares me from Suter, the zero goals um, and those Miro Heiskanen like shots. I could get a guy, um, you know, like Ty Smith, who has the same amount of points, um, but two more goals to add on top of that, and who's 10% owned, you know, Josh Morrissey. 10% less owned, one more assist. A lot of, I'm just saying, there's just a lot of suitors out there. Um, yeah, and, Josh and Morrissey is somebody that's very interesting because he's up there in the same similar usage and he's on the top power play with the Mark Shifley's, the, the Kyle Connors. Um, so I, I think, Mark, you know, if okay. Josh Morrissey's available, like uh, Rasmus would, Anderson is there at three goals, 10 assists, you yeah. know, this year. Also, top, also on the top power play yeah. unit. And these are all the guys who are at 40%, just like Suter. So for Suter, for me, it's just, uh, I think 40 just way, way, way too much. I don't really want that anywhere near my team. Um, but yeah, if you can stream them, you know, maybe if Minnesota's got a couple couple easy games, chuck them in. Yeah, which are very few and far between in that yeah. vision. Uh, Alexis Lafreniere has finally started to heat up, um, which is, you know, finally good to see after a very sluggish start to the season. He has picked up two goals and two assists in his last five games. Uh, he's, you know, been elevated. He's been elevated into the top <laughs> six um, since five shots. since Panarin's been hurt. Uh, he does only have five shots in, in minutes, that though. span. Uh, shooting 40% over that small sample size, but he's up over f- almost 15 and uh, almost 16 minutes a night w- since Panarin has left the, the lineup. So there are positives um, to what we're finally, you know, maybe starting to see some glimpses of what to expect here in the near future. But uh, D I know that you've been a little bit harder on him um, than, than I have. What are you still thinking now that, you know, we're a couple weeks away um, since, you know, a couple weeks away from saying basically might be time to drop him now five points here, four points in the last five games. 
Uh, I'd say he's got Miro Heiskin in type shot production with just 26 shots in 20 games. Uh, mm. Again, I, I still think he's a great talent. Um, I just think it's really hard for rookies to come into the NHL these days and really just hit the ground running from a fantasy perspective. It's often just as difficult to get that kind of ice time um, as it is to even just take advantage of it and produce. So certainly, you know, the rule is starting to open up for him a little bit more now, kind of out of necessity um, and definitely good to see. But um not someone that I'm going to make room on um, for right now. Certainly, you know, if you have the extra roster spot um, and or you have a guy that, you know, you've just maybe a streaming spot or someone who, you know, you know that you've just been holding on to for too long. I'm sure maybe he's worth the pickup. But uh, yeah, like I said, I'm not dropping a reliable fantasy producer for him right now just because it's really hard to to imagine, you know, what his top end floor is this year. Like, is it like a 50 point pace? Is it a 60 point pace? Right. Um, and for me, that sort of production just isn't worth holding out on, even though um, the trends are looking good. So certainly worth keeping an eye on, but I'm not making room uh, on my roster for him at this point. Would you guys rather have him or Jaden Swartz? Not for you. Yeah. I wouldn't have either, to be honest. <laughs> D plays an open roster spot and uh, just tries not to yeah. get a minus. Um, uh, no, I would, I would stream <laughs> over both of them for sure. Uh, yeah. No, totally respectable. Um, I think uh, it's definitely worth keeping an eye on, which we've been saying all year. Uh, yeah, he just at thirty-two percent, you like, can maybe steal him. But um, yeah, if he, if he keeps his ice time up, though, it's definitely definitely worth. Uh, yeah, you know, PP one. But what is the PP upside two. for a guy shooting once a game? You know, what oh I mean? yeah, like, yeah. What are we yeah. What are we holding out for? So to me, I need yeah. to see the uptick in volume. That's, That's what's kind of scary too. Is if, if if the uptick in ice is coming and the uptick in shots is not. Um, that's the stuff that kind of scares us too, right? So yeah, and again, he's a rookie, but it's to me, it's hard to imagine everything coming together this year where all of a sudden he's a top tier fan. So, yeah. So. Did he shoot a lot in junior? Do we know? Mm-hmm. Not really readily available like numbers. Yeah, I'm pulling him up real quick here, but um. So breaking news a little bit, Chris Kreider just scored on the power play on PP1. Meek is a banjad was not even on the power play one unit. Ah, <laughs> huh. hate to see it. But uh 86% right. on. Let's talk about let's talk about a couple of goalies tonight. Um Pat, Carey Price has obviously struggled uh a lot this year. It doesn't seem to be getting better. He seems to be losing um he's more and more starts to Jake Allen. Uh, as guys that have never really been high on Carey Price in in redraft leagues before, Especially. like what are you thinking about Carey Price right now? If you don't own Jake Allen, D, we'll start with you here. I know you love talking about goalies. Uh, yeah, I don't love um, Carey Price's outlook at this point. I, I mean, I, we hit the nail on the head at the start of the season, right? But just being a goaltender in the North Division is very tough this season. Um, and obviously when you look at, the, so if you have a guy like Price, you really want to pick your starts. And now you have a guy like Allen that's taking starts away from Price and really taking the ability way to, to really be um, selective with how you use him, right? Because he's not going to be playing every game now. So um, that obviously really puts a huge dent in his value. Because to me, the only value that he really had this season was based off the fact that his, you know, his, his starting job was so solidified. He's going to be playing 80% of the games. And you can really just pick and choose when you're going to use him. Uh, avoid playing even against the likes of the Leafs, the Jets, et cetera, et cetera, Oilers, um, and play against the other teams in the division. But when he's only starting half the games, obviously that gets a lot harder to do and it gets a lot harder to justify keeping him on your roster um, for that type of role. So, yeah, um, upside doesn't seem tr- uh, tremendously high this season. So, again, I've been saying it all podcasts, but if you have depth of position, I think it's a guy you can move on from um, and not rue uh, the day too much. Yeah, um, 
uh, the thing is, he's he, those games that he's supposed to be winning against, you know, the Ottawa's, um, the Ottawa's. Um, he, he's he's not necessarily stealing those games by any means, and the, and and all all it takes is you know you blow one of the Ottawa games, and then you give up a five spot to Toronto, and the next thing you know you're playing Winnipeg. Um, ninety four percent is crazy. I mean, obviously you're super hesitant to ever drop Carey Price. I wouldn't say necessarily drop him if you're in an eight team league. I would drop him, but um, yeah, if you can trade this guy, I, I, I don't know. It's just it seems like yeah. goalie, goalies are. Goalies are voodoo this year, but this is not voodoo. This guy's just like everyone, every goalie's getting lit up in this this, this division. Um, I do have to say on CBC, they called Carey Price as their expected Vesna win, winner, which is absolutely fucking hilarious. <laughs> so, it. yeah, um, had to mention that one because I was going to tweet about it when it happened. And then I was like, wait, I might want a job there one day if I could ever potentially get up that road. So, so now uh, I'm just calling him out on the podcast because um, yeah. that was a terrible, terrible call. Um, yeah, it's, uh, he's currently the number 203 ranked player in uh, in me and in DNI's league, which is uh, very bad um, with an 893 save percentage. I don't know. It's just if you can trade him for anything because I, I i really can't see trotting him out ever I against the leafs against yeah, Winnipeg, against um, you can't exactly right you're and gonna fuck a, all your goalie stats up he's yeah. another guy that you're always a little bit weary of writing off too early but it's again it's just really imagine uh or really hard to imagine him him um you know being a, a top tier fantasy goalie this season like yeah. it's it's hard to draw that road and, and say okay this is how he's gonna do it because like next uh, year when they play other teams 32 other teams or yeah. 31 i guess whatever we want to call it. i don't know anyways um next year when that's happening maybe we'll let that happen but yeah. um and you know maybe you can steal those side games but right now i mean what you can play him 15 percent, 20 percent of his games i don't want to roster that give me uh you know give me a team that's give me give me like curtis mclaney over that because that guy's at least you know i'm gonna start in the same amount of games on a team that's gonna win more um I just shit on him real hard. Yeah, I don't know if Curtis Mackley. Not Curtis Mackley, but that's just that's just where I'm at with Carey Price. So that's how I feel about yeah. it. Like I feel like I could start them both the same amount, you know, and I'm gonna get the same shit. Um, yeah, like I talked about it at the start of the year. I wasn't drafting a single single goalie from that. Um, <laughs> you were from right. that division. You were and right. I, I I crushed it there. Uh, it's not like it's not something that hasn't been coming though either, right? I mean, since 2018, if you include this season, he's only got a 909 save percentage. Um, you know, last year he had a 909, the year before that he had a 918, and then the year before that, 2018, he had a 900 save percentage. It's really something that's been kind of happening. Um, and it's really not, you know, it, it, it's not that surprising when you look at, hey, 2018, he turned 30. This happens with goalies all the time. And um, in that division, uh, you know, Ryan's turned 30. Yeah, like they they just fired their goal sending coach. You know, maybe it was his fault. I doubt it. Um, because Jake Allen looks pretty good. But um yeah, it's just like I don't think on him. I don't think I'm dropping him. No. But but you definitely have to trade it. Like, and I'm I I would like to believe I don't think you can win a championship with this guy on your team. No, and I think there's owners out there that are still going to be like fucking Carey Price. Plus, he's still 94% on, so they're like, how how bad can he be? So I think you can try to just use that name recognition and make a deal, but it's like, like I think this is probably, if any, like the name recognition deal you can make Um, over any of the guys on this list. This is the one guy you could for sure kind of get under someone's nose. Because otherwise, I would honestly drop him. I don't think he offers any value because you need to. I'm there with you, D, in a redraft league. 100%. Yeah, it's it's not worth it. No. 
And like, it, you, like you guys said, you just you basically can't even play him. Like, no. you, you like what matchup? Like maybe, maybe like the Flames haven't been great lately. Like there are opportunities, I think, to play him, but it they're going to be so few and far between. You almost have to just try and trade him. Like, do you think you could trade him for Robin Lehner right now? Like Lehner has not played; he's been out all year. Fleury's been outstanding. Oh, I think you could do it. In, like people would do that in a heartbeat. But yeah, like that's something I would try to do right now while Lehner's out and be like, "Hey, look, like he, who knows when he's coming or, back? And just see if it, see if it works." You're probably you're probably gonna be breaking even with Lehner not playing and the value. You'd be <laughs> the time. Exactly. Um, yeah. All right, we talked about it a little bit last week. I want to talk about the. Capitals goaltending situation again. So Ilya Samsonov did end up coming back and starting on Sunday. Uh, he he played pretty well, won the game. Then they went right back to Vanasek. You know, obviously we can't predict what's going to happen here, uh, but Vanasek's won three in a row now. Is Samsonov or Samsonov like? Is he at the point where you got to just try to move him to? Like you can't drop him because if you know all of a sudden he starts starting, he's going to be again one you know a number one fantasy netminder. But it, it's like, what do you do with Samsonov? He's such a he's in such a bizarre situation. It's like, like if you owned him, well, ho- hopefully, hopefully you own Vitek, right? Like that's yeah, that would hopefully you were on the ball and um, yeah, and, and you grabbed them early on, and you, you can afford to be um, a lot more patient with Samsonov. Um, I don't think the Capitals really owe Samsonov anything, right? Like he was pretty good last year. He's a first round pick, yada yada yada. But if Vanacek's playing well and he's winning games, there's no reason to to shoehorn and force um, Samsonov back in the net, right? So he's really gonna have to earn his game time, and you're gonna have to be patient. Um, upside still through the roof if he can become the starting goalie of the Washington Capitals. Um, so certainly not a guy that you want to trade for peanuts. And again, hopefully you just you have Vitex, so you can really afford to be patient with him because I think if you're moving him. You got to try to get close to value um, for him, which to me would be, you know, a starting fantasy goaltender. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people who do have Sam Sonov right now drafted him very high and expected him to likely be, you know, someone in that position. I think we're at the point, too, where, you know, the 80% that does own him are the 80% that held on to him. It's not anyone who's picked him up in the that amount of time. Um, so I think you kind of just got to wait. It does seem like it's going to be who the hotter hand is. Um, but I definitely. Uh, if you could cut your losses and still get a starting goaltender, I, I might take that route. Somebody you can just depend on a little bit more. Um, I'm not necessarily saying, you know, except one from uh, the, the team, one of the top or bottom 10 team. I'm not saying that type of thing, but I, you know, if someone is willing to offer you, I'm trying to think Tristan Jari's at the same, uh, at the same level and he's starting every night out in Pittsburgh. I might debate that one. Um, I might do that right away, actually. Um, just knowing he's got that, that at least locked in starter. And like For you sure. said, they don't, they don't owe a starting spot to Sam Sonoff. He, sh- he could be their backup. He's pretty, yeah. he could do that. So why not? If Vanisek's winning, Vanisek's doing it, you know, why not have the one A, one B combo going there? And make yeah. It and I, like I said, I, I, I don't know if you would get that sort of value for him. So I, I really just feel like it's a really poor time to trade him. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've said a lot on um, this show tonight that there's a lot of these guys where you're, you know, they're not going to, it's not going to be the difference in your season if you trade them and they, and they go off, right? Like you're not going to regret it to that degree, but a guy like Sansana potentially could, right? If he does run away with the job um, and puts up the type of splits he did last season, um, certainly can, uh, can alter a lot of weeks, that type of goaltending. So um yeah, like I said, you got to make sure you're getting value for trading him, but I, I think you just have to be patient with him right now, and obviously that's a lot easier to do if you have the tech. 
Yeah, speaking of goaltenders, uh, I want to look ahead here to to the weekend. Uh, we'll talk about some streaming options since we're going to be getting this show out on Friday. We can look at the weekend a little bit. Uh, Biebs, I know you've got a bunch of skaters you want to talk about. I'm just going to quickly take a look here at the schedule and give some some of the best uh, goaltending spot starts. And I think you have to uh, start with David Riddick. Um, he is, you know, Jacob Markstrom looks like he's going to be back on Saturday in Edmonton. Uh, Riddick still just 18% owned. He's probably going to get the senators on Sunday. So if he's still available in your league, I think that he is a pretty solid pickup, uh, with a home matchup against the senators. Um, Biebs, I'm assuming it's still going to be Hunter Miska as the number two goalie for the avalanche. Um, so if Grubauer starts tomorrow against the ducks, Hunter Miska should start on Saturday yeah, against Miska's the ducks. Made a very good start. Um, starting option in the games he has played. Yeah, he's been solid. The the problem with him is obviously that he is starting on Saturday, um, which is going to be a super busy night. So, you know, if you... You most likely have better options on your team already, but if if you know you're you're really struggling at at, at goaltender, um, I think that he is a is a pretty reasonable option there. Um, Jake Ottinger should see the Nashville Predators on Sunday um, or Columbus on uh, Saturday, but I would assume that he'll probably be seeing that the Predators on Sunday. The Predators really haven't been all that great, um, so I think Ottinger makes for a really solid option. Low scoring um, team in the NHL. Yeah. Um, the Islanders, if Sorokin is still out there and available for you, they've got another, uh, they've got a home and home or not home and home, a back to back here. Um, he's still available in almost, uh, six, just over 60% of leagues right now, home and home or back to back. Jesus. I said it twice, um, with the Sabres <laughs> this weekend. So obviously he's going against them tonight. Um, and then he's got another, uh, you know, chance at them this weekend, uh, moving right along. That's pretty much it. Um, unless you want to maybe go with Casey DeSmith, I think if you if you're really kind of desperate for a start, uh, and Casey DeSmith is available as well, uh, he's got the Rangers on Sunday most likely. He's still just nine percent owned. So a number of goaltenders. There there is quite a busy uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, across the NHL. So I'm assuming that a lot of you guys are going to already have players you know in the lineup. Um, but if you're you know like I said, if you're hurting, if you're desperate, come Sunday there are uh, a plethora of you know, backup goalies to be picked up right now. Yeah. And uh, with that, this is a, just a couple of players too, that we figure we should mention that go with those goalies um, in case you do need a couple of spot starts here and there. Like you're like me and D and you just have an open spot in your roster. And you like to plug a dude in here and there. Um, also, I'd like to mention Chris Kreider, Gino again, rock. So that's two goals right now in New York for Kreider, um, both assisted by Strom. But um, that segues right into my first pickup. We talk about him uh, weekly. People are probably like, hey, we haven't heard his name yet. It's Pavel Bushnevich, um, 23% owned across all Yahoo. He's currently playing first line, second PP, and he does have an apple on that first Kreider goal tonight. Um, Bushnevich has been kind of a beast lately. He's got seven points in his last seven games. He's playing over 18 minutes a night. He's shooting four times a game. Um, you know, at only 23% owned, he is out there and it's someone you can definitely pick up if you need a couple free points here and there, and you know, he's going to get the minutes. Um, it does seem like they owe something to him out there in New York and, uh, he's going to keep, keep playing. And as long as he's getting the ice, we, we do like this guy. And, uh, it's great to see his shot production start to go up. And, uh, when it went up, so did his points. So, you know, seven points in his last seven, eight in his last eight, I guess. Now, um, Bushnevich makes a very nice pickup. They play New Jersey twice as mentioned. Um, that should equal decent, uh, or they got New Jersey once, I think, and then someone else on Sunday there, but you know, either way, um, I think they got Pittsburgh on Sunday, but should work out, 
Um, and then also very quick mention just out in Dallas, Rupe hints right now, 33%. He's hurt. He's hurt. He's hurt. Oh, he's out. He's out. Yeah. He just, okay, yeah. So it was so funny. I was on the pod or I was on my video this morning uh, or this afternoon. And I was talking about how like the stars actually looks good. And it was so the first weird, game. It was the first game where it actually they've, they've played with the same lineup or were coming into the night with the same lineup on back-to-back games. And I was like, well, that is until, you know, 15 minutes before the game starts and Rupe hints gets ruled out with an injury. And then actually, it actually happened. He Come cannot on, stay. The guy cannot. cannot. It's so weird too, because when he is healthy, like they drop him out there for 21 minutes a game, but then it's like he misses the next game. It's like, hey, maybe we just ease him in on like 15, 16 a night. Give him the 21 like a week later. Um, but uh, but yeah, so scrap Rupe Hints had one really, really deep, deep, um, deep cut. If you do want to add him in a deep league, this is Oliver Wallstrom out in New York, out in the island, six percent owned. Four goals, four assists on the season. He has three goals and three assists in his last five games while playing only like 10 minutes a night. He's got nine and a half in other ones. Um, he's a prior first-round pick. He's got an absolute bomb of a shot. They're playing Buffalo Saturday and Sunday. Um, it does seem like he's a power play option is where I absolutely love him. Four of his eight points are coming on the power play. Um, again, that shot is just something to, uh, to to just watch in itself. So um, it seems like although he is getting 10 minutes, it's looking like – Two or three of those are coming on the power play tonight, and I do love that. And then uh, in his 5v5 time, he's playing very protected right now, playing on a line with uh, defensive uh, guru Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. So, um, you know, it, it bodes well for him as an all-offense-type player. Um, again, 6% roster if you're in a very, very deep league. Keep an eye on Wallstrom. Not many guys you can grab who are um, the number two, I guess. We'll call him shooting option on a power play um, or on their second power play. But, again, keep an eye on this guy, especially if you're in keeper leagues. Um, yeah, more yeah. usage could mean more points, which he could just go crazy. Yeah, uh, a couple more guys, too. Uh, Frank Vetrano, only 7% owned. He's on the uh, top line for the Panthers. His favorite uh, They've got um, they, they've got the Predators and the Hurricanes over the weekend. Obviously, Carter Verhage, he's actually already scored once tonight. Uh, he can still be added. I like Andre Burakovsky. He's got two games against the Ducks. One is tomorrow, which is really nice. Uh, Friday, it's a pretty calm night in the NHL. Uh, and then Ely Tolvanen as well in deeper leagues. He's on the top uh, line for the Predators right now. They've got the Panthers and the Stars over the weekend. Uh, D, how about you? Uh, yeah, I would like just to add there are three teams playing Friday and Sunday um, this week. Um, so if your if your league has you know some maca or matchup acquisition limits and um, you can't just be adding guys every night, um, the three teams to target this weekend um, and you know starting tomorrow. So make sure you get a jump on it or today Friday when this comes out um, would be the Lightning, the Capitals, and the Bruins all playing Friday Sunday. Um, the Lightning actually have Chicago, I believe, which is a, obviously a pretty um, decent matchup. Yanni Gord. Um, and Tyler Johnson look like the best options there. Yeah, so actually, of, Blake Blake Coleman would be the best option. They just changed well, their lines. Thirty-seven percent yeah. owned. So I was yeah I was looking a little bit further down in terms of widespread streaming options. But yeah, certainly if Coleman's there, um, definitely deserves a shout, Brock. Um, but just because yeah, he's but, on the top line tonight, now they just went back to him with point here in warmups. It was Johnson there for a few games back to Coleman. So if he's available for sure, um, but Gorris. For show, I usually just look a little bit deeper for weekend streamers to make sure, you know, these are widely available people for the guys. But yeah, definitely if Coleman's there at 37%. Um, other than that, like I said, Gord at 13% or Tyler Johnson at 8% owned um, look like the best options. And uh, like I said, those two games are against the Blackhawks. So um, can't complain there. Obviously, um, you know, that would mean the Blackhawks also um, a team to look at. Um, let me see here. I thought 
yeah, the, so the Bruins, um, yeah, so sorry, the Bruins, um, Lightning, Capitals, and the, the Hawks as well. Um, so four teams to target playing with the Friday, um, Sunday schedule. The Bruins looks like uh, probably David Krejci, if not, if Nick Ritchie isn't there. Um, Nick Ritchie, 29% owned still, so good chance he might be available. If not, David Krejci at 16%. Um, probably the best for the bet. Capitals. Best oh, yeah, yeah. you're gonna let me do my segment, Brock. Just... I, I just, I just didn't know if you'd already had him pulled up, <laughs> yeah. so I just wanted well, to make once sure. Once we got to Washington, maybe you could wait and see them. But yeah, Connor Sheary definitely the best option in Washington. Um, I believe he's just like two percent owned right now, uh, yeah, playing on the top line. Um, uh, we have one percent owned, playing on the top line, dual wing eligibility. Um, so certainly the guy to go after uh, in Washington um, and Chicago. I'm just gonna peep real quick. Um, because I'm thinking it's just going to be the boy Pius Suter. Um, yeah, 14% owned <laughs> yeah, for Pius. So great. Yeah. I was really, I was worried we weren't going to get to say his name in this podcast. So um, yeah, he yeah, looks like the there. best option there. Brock, anyone else jumping out at you from Chicago? No, not really. Um, it's not like those, you know, I, it's not like that matchup's very good. Two games against, you know, the best team in the league is going to be difficult for oh, them sure. to really get anything going anyway. Uh, not really worth looking past that top line. Yeah. So if Blake Coleman's available, it looks like the best streaming option this weekend. Uh, but 37% owned, good chance he's not uh, there in your league. So if he's not, um, I would say Connor Shear is a really safe bet um, in terms of someone that you can rely on getting a lot of good ice time this weekend and almost certainly going to be there because he's just 1% owned right now. Yeah, Alex Kalorin, 17% owns, not terrible either, playing with Sorelli Stamkos' top power play unit as well. So if if, 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 um, if Colm is not there, he looks fine as well. But yeah. Um, <laughs> These push show counts at like five on this last thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, D, I, I didn't know if you had all the lines pulled up on DFO, and I just wanted to make sure we didn't miss any. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, – I did. I'll get. I was he just like, I had ownership we, we, rates and going back and forth. Nailed it. We nailed it. So, anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed season six, episode fourteen of the Daily Faceout podcast. As always, we are brought to you by our friends at Odd Shark. Um, and if you guys, you know, anything that we did not cover on today's episode, um, you know, always feel free to reach out to us on Twitter uh, at DFO Podcast and uh, ask any questions uh, that you may have, and we will always get back to you to make sure you're making the most prudent changes to your fantasy yes. rosters so uh i'm brock word of the day lnt berthium uh michael beebs bondy thank you guys so much for tuning in we'll see you guys back here next week brock, i can't wait for sure you get, uh, sorry i can't wait for sure you to get a hat trick this weekend and uh and brock to tout him next week as the as his weekend stream pick of the week oh who's that, that? You, smell, you guys smelling that shade being thrown around yeah i didn't even i didn't even hear who said did you say shiri yeah <laughs> Not gonna happen anyway. But anyways, see you guys back here next week. See you boys. Be my fire. Baby be my flame. Baby be the softly burning embers through December into June cows and then Baby be my
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.